Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back to the SLC Dunk Podcast. This is your host, James Hansen. I'm here tonight with Adam Bushman. Also, uh, well, it doesn't go by, but has the Jabber Jazz channel. If you haven't already, go to Jabber Jazz. Search Jabber Jazz on YouTube. Search it anywhere. And go subscribe and get more jazz content, because I know that's what everyone here wants. Anyways, welcome to the channel, Adam. We're here. Well, thank you so and much. Happy to be here, James. Just you excited to Adam's be talking shop our... with the Jazz. <laughs> Sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> um, you are one of the best jazz writers out there. And so you guys, if you're not following Adam on Twitter, do it. He's on SLC Duncan. Like I said, go to Jabber Jazz um, and follow him. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. I'm the worst at this. I'm sorry. All right. Let's hey, that's see. OK. Let's you know, there's a little bit of a delay, so we're just going to we're just going to work through it a little bit. But that'll be great. Yeah, there it seems like there is a delay, so that's my bad. I'm sorry. But um, let's see. Let's get into this. So the Jazz have lost a lot of games recently. They've lost four in a row, I believe. And it comes with some questions, Adam. I mean, this season started off really fun. The Jazz had one of the best records in the NBA to start the season and looked like a team that was just such a surprise and so different than everything we expected. Things have gone a little differently. The Jazz have, um, well, like I said, they've lost four in a row. I think they've lost six of their last 10, and they have some pretty bad losses. They lost to the Spurs. Uh, they lost to the Heat on the back end of a back-to-back at home. So what's your assessment? Where are the Jazz right now, and what is the problem? Is it fixable, or should it be something they don't worry about fixing and make some trades? Well, I love how you said that the Jazz started off as such a fun team. And I actually feel like that has continued even through this rough stretch. I mean, we had that thrilling game against the Heat. Again, another thriller against the Sacramento Kings. Even the Spurs one, we kind of were mounting that comeback and uh, really made it interesting. So the Jazz have still been really fun. Uh, however, they have been falling short. And that was kind of something that the, we had to monitor from the early start of the season. We had that uh, killer overtime win against New Orleans. And we had um, the, the win over Minnesota. And we had several games that we were winning there in the final couple minutes. Jazz were one of the best clutch teams in the NBA to start the year. And so I don't feel like a ton is all that wrong, per se, other than just, hey, this team was never designed to be the best clutch team in the NBA. Honestly, I know some people are pro-tank, some aren't. Uh, in my opinion, I'm just kind of interested in enjoying the team. And my perspective is give me all the moral victories. I want them all. <laughs> I, I want the most competitive, fun game right up until the last couple minutes. And, hey, if we end with a loss, I'm all for the moral victories. Um, I don't think there's a ton wrong with the Jazz. I think just the, the scouting is catching up with them a little bit. And um, 
and and people are still trying to figure out over the course of an entire season what their roles kind of kind of figure out to be and then we've you know seen injuries kind of catch up they were always going to come and they've uh they've dropped in nicely so i don't feel like a ton is all that wrong just kind of some normalcy of an 82 game schedule yeah i i agree the jazz are still a very fun team you know these last two losses were pretty brutal two (laughs) buzzer beaters in a row (laughs) i don't know how often that happens but it can't be often but just two brutal losses which means that the Jazz were in really close games. They were yeah. fun games. The Jazz, the thing about the Jazz is they still put up a lot of points. They score. They're a fun team to watch. There's there's not a lot of times where you're watching the Jazz where you're like, man, this is just like, you know, some teams you'll watch and offensively they'll just be brutal. But this Jazz team is not that. They are fun to watch. They play a brand of basketball that that I enjoy and I think Jazz fans have enjoyed. And they've just kind of come up short in some of these games. I was looking at it. I was writing a preview the other day. And I was looking at clutch stats and I think kind of what we've we're seeing now is a little more of probably what everyone expected from this jazz team this year, because the beginning of the year, I was looking at clutch stats in like in October, the jazz were shooting like 46% from three in the clutch. They had the best, they had one of the best clutch winning percentages in the league. So they were playing close games and winning them. And in December, they've been shooting something like 26, 27% from three in the clutch they have been not winning a lot of these games and so they've kind of become a little bit of what they we expected from them to start the season now do i think that the the jazz were world beaters then and now they're really bad no but i probably think they're somewhere in the middle which makes sense when you look at their record they're 19 and 20 they're right right around 500 and so like you said you're saying you think the jazz you kind of just want to enjoy the team i think if i'm danny ainge I feel like at some point here by trade deadline, which is February 9th. So they still have a month to, to figure things out. And one thing about Danny Ainge is he is way more patient than the average fan <laughs> Something he's known <laughs> for more than anyone. I, I kind of feel like we're going to see, well, I guess that what's my question here. My question is, do you think we see a trade or do you think the jazz stand pat? What do you think they're going to do by February 9th? So over the last two weeks, the Jazz are even in point differential, but they're two and five. So the, really that kind of tells you we just keep losing at the end of the games. And earlier in the season, we kept winning just barely. We had this awesome record, but the point differential said, ah, hey, that record, how much you're winning, that's not sustainable. And I think that this kind of indicates that, hey, the Jazz are kind of right in this, right in this zone where there are stones throw from the sixth seed and having – a, a locked in playoff spot, but there are stones throw away from being in the top seven of the, the odds for the upcoming draft. So I actually do anticipate, anticipate that uh, Danny Ainge will be active. Um, they call him trader Danny for a reason, not because he's executed every trade imaginable, but because he's always reported as being in every trade discussion imaginable. So I, I think we're going to continue to hear just tons and tons of rumors Uh, I still think that John Collins thing is going to keep getting brought up week after week. Um, I think the most likely thing is that the jazz may not make a deal. Uh, And I say that just because one, it's kind of hard to make trades, get everybody kind of in the room to agree on value and that benefits everybody. But then two, I, I feel like Danny's at a point where he's like, Hey, I'm not going to just punt on Malik Beasley or Jared Vanderbilt. I'm not just going to punt on these people that 
or these players that teams want just because I'm getting average value. I feel like he wants to, you know, get 110, 120% value. And if he does that, he'll pull the trigger, no problem. But all of those things together, I think it makes it unlikely we have a trade. But uh, with the amount of discussions he'll certainly be in, uh, it gives up plenty of opportunity. Um, I, I do think that the Jazz have a chance to, to again, ascend to that top six spot or slide back into the, uh, into the middle of the lottery. Even if they don't make a trade, uh, I think we've kind of shown that we're we're really susceptible to kind of being pushed and pulled either way. And um, those are kind of my thoughts, I'd say, on, on where we go from here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you mentioned John Collins, and it uh, made me think of, I guess, the Jazz, you know, they, like you said, they are right in that that level where they can win a game and they can lose a game. Sometimes it's just like a lucky bounce, or can they get a good stop? And that's one of the things they've kind of struggled with. One of the bright spots of this season has been um, Walker Kessler. He has been really impressive. And I was thinking about the John Collins trade. And when I thought of, of John Collins in the context of Walker Kessler, it made a lot of sense to me because he's a guy that could probably play with Walker Kessler a little more seamlessly than maybe Jared Vanderbilt has. We have, and it's only been a couple times, but we've seen Jared Vanderbilt share the floor with Kessler and it hasn't been as bad as maybe we would have thought. Um, Vanderbilt has kind of shown that he can knock down a corner three. He hasn't done it at volume, but he has shown that he can do it and he's got a pretty decent percentage from the corner three, but that becomes a little single dimensional with Vanderbilt and Kessler on the floor because they're both kind of inside presences on the floor. Um, and if Walker, if Kessler's on the floor with Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's going to be sitting in the corner a lot. That's just kind of what he does. And it kind of takes away a little of what Vanderbilt does on offense. He's a great passer. He handles, he drives. He's shown that he can do, be like a driving kick guy. He does a lot of things that's really nice. But with Kessler near the basket, it's kind of a little clunky. And so that's why I thought, well, you know, the John Collins trade makes a little sense if yeah. you're Danny Ainge. He can hit a three at every spot on the floor. So that allows you to do a lot more things. There was a play last game that really got me excited about Kessler, actually. And it wasn't because of the block shots that are incredible, uh, the great hands. The you know, There's just a lot to really like. But what happened is he ran a pick and roll. I can't remember who it was. And he got the he got the ball around free throw line. And there was two defenders right in front of him. He stops and throws it back to Mike Conley, who hits a three. Yeah. And I thought that's a big deal because that's something that took Rudy Gobert a little time to develop. And he's already doing it in his rookie year. So uh, do you think the, the Walker Kessler element of things changes, you know, because do you want to trade someone to give time to Kessler or are you just more like, well, let's just see how it goes. Like you said. Yeah. I feel like the breakout of Larry Markkinen this year, really truly ascending to elite number two status and having Walker Kessler as a front court mate going from basically, you know, an unknown commodity to, a good case for being the best backup center in the league and then being, you know, close to your uh, back end of your average starting center um, in, in year one, you know, really 40 games in, in my opinion, I think that gives you a real good chance of making this like a, a single, not, not even a single year rebuild because this year has been kind of fun. It's been about seeing what we have. And everybody's been enjoying themselves. It really kind of 
lets me know, hey, if you nail one or two more trades to to design a roster for what what are prospectively your best players, because that wasn't the intent of the Jazz making the Rudy and Donovan trade. It was, hey, let's get assets, get as much value back. Then we see what we have. We see what's scalable long-term, what pieces we can swap out. And then we're supposed to design a team around our best players. And now we're figuring out who's here long-term, who can be expendable. And so if the Jazz nail a trade or two, I'm personally high on John Collins, which I can get into more if, if we want to. But if you nail one or two trades, and if you have some draft success, all of a sudden, the Jazz are right back into the thick of, of competitive play in the conference, at likely a tier below contender status uh, at that point, but really on a trajectory for, for doing amazing things. So uh, I do see the development of Walker Kessler as being uh, just tremendous. Uh, because what you really need is you need to you need to hit on your your players in the lottery uh, or in the draft, I should say. You need to hit on them so that they are contributing roster members all throughout their rookie contract. Right? We're going to be getting starter level play probably for three years of Walker Kessler, and he's going to be making three million each year. That is just tremendous, tremendous. And so uh, you, you have some luck like that in this upcoming draft with three picks, you make a trade, you know, for someone, you know, like I, I'm high on John Collins, but you know, there are other examples, all of a sudden you could be put right back into a competitive position in the conference and, uh, and a, you know, one year a stones throw away from, you know, becoming a contender again. And that's, that was a little bit unprecedented, when we traded our stars. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. No one expected this. No one expected the jazz to be this good. Even now. I mean, yeah, they've lost, they lost to the, the Spurs. They lost to the Kings in a, just a heartbreaking three point shot. They lost, you know, last night and another heartbreaker, <laughs> but they are, they are a better team than any of us expected. And I think, you know, we have one situation going on right now with the Timberwolves that every Jazz fan is enjoying. It's a little bittersweet seeing Rudy Gobert struggle in Minnesota, but then at the same time, it really helps us out. So me personally, I'm enjoying it tremendously. Uh, this Jazz team, I mean, that's the thing is Danny Ainge has so many different choices and they have such a treasure trove of picks. And I do think that at some point, maybe you can have too many. The Jazz are going to make three picks in this next draft. They have Ochai Abaji, who's not even playing right now, who I'm sure they'd like to see develop at some point. Um, there's a lot of tea leaves out there that make me think that there's probably going to be at least one move. I think Vanderbilt's probably the guy. We've heard rumors about that forever. Uh, and like you said, I'm I'm really high on John Collins. I, I think John Collins is a distressed asset that if you got him into Will Hardy's system, and he played here and he actually got some freedom. I mean, the guy, I feel bad for John Collins. He's been with Trey Young for what, five years now? Three, four, yeah, five, whatever it is. Yeah. And every all the things that everything I listen to and is that he's not that fun to play with. You know, it's a lot of just kind of stand around and watch Trey Young do his thing, which is good. It's effective. But when you're John Collins and you'd like to do a little more, it can be really rough. Uh, they had their coach this week threaten to quit. <laughs> it's just a bad situation. <laughs> so I just think if you can get John Collins out of there, he might be really happy in a shared uh, system with the Jazz. 
But like, you know, you've got so many players that a lot of mouths to feed and it's really hard to get them all their minutes, especially if you want someone like Abaji to, to tr- and he hasn't honestly looked all, there's been some moments for Abaji, but you can see why he hasn't really gotten a lot of play yet. He doesn't mean he's not going to be good, but man, uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Anyways, you mentioned him already. He's having a phenomenal season. Uh, Walker Kessler was not the only huge uh hit for the jazz in that trade the big one is arguably larry markinen who is looking is not just looking he is playing like an all-star has been just consistently putting up big time numbers as a number one option on the jazz i saw someone tweet today something like don't tell me uh larry markinen can't be a number one option and i wanted to be like Who's telling you that? That's what he is right now. He's number one option <laughs> on the Utah Jazz right now who are in playoff contention. He is a number one option, and his efficiency is fantastic. Uh, so, and I know you've written a lot about that. What are you, what are you seeing from Larry Markin in this season that's really impressed you? Yeah, yeah, he's he's just tremendous. And honestly, putting up some some truly, truly elite efficiency numbers, if you look at the players who have played this season – who've played a good deal of minutes. So let's just say a thousand plus minutes on the year and who also are shooting or using as many possessions as Lowry is. So let's say 24% usage or above. If you look at those two thresholds, which, you know, aren't hard to, to clear, you know, that puts you into tens of players, but, and you sort by the true shooting percentage, which weights free throws, weights three point shots appropriately. And if you sort by that efficiency metric, Larry Marketing comes in third. The only two players who exceed his efficiency, Nikola Jokic, may be on his way to his third straight MVP. Okay. Yeah. And Kevin Durant, like a top 15 player all time. Pretty good. That is how sensational Lowry Markinen has been. And each each game, I kind of feel like, oh man, that's gotta come down a little bit eventually. Like, you know, being nine percent above league average is just mind-boggling um for a guy who isn't just isn't isn't just around the hoop all the time but uh but each game his frequency of getting to the three point uh, to the free throw line um, his ability to convert at the rim it just puts him at such a high floor of efficiency and he really is just offsetting um the poor shooting of mike conley uh, he's offsetting the you know, the highs and lows of Malik Beasley and he can do it all by himself because he's just that, that special and that gifted with his efficiency. It's truly incredible. Yeah. I think if I could say one thing about what will, well, there's a lot of things I really love about Will Hardy. When I see people complain about Will Hardy, I'm like, well, you know, we should talk a little bit about what's happened with Larry Markinen because he was not, I mean, I didn't watch closely the Cavs last year, but we weren't seeing Larry Markinen do these things. I mean, there were things he started, like when he started playing this year, and there were things he was doing that I was like, I didn't know he could do that. I didn't know he did that. I mean, he runs in transition. He's a really, really good transition player. You know, and that's where you get easy buckets. That's where you get easy efficiency. He's got a lot of nice post moves. I mean, he's got that seven-foot frame. You can give him the ball in the block on the block, and if he's got a smaller defender on him, it's over. He just has that little turnaround, and he knocks it down with regularity. So he's not just this kind of like, you know, Malik Beasley. I really like, and I think he has a ton of value. He's one of those guys I could see the Jazz moving at trade deadline. Um, 
And he just an incredible shooter, but that's what Malik Beasley does. He can shoot off the dribble or he can catch and shoot. So he's fantastic. Holy cow, Tyson Price. Thank you, my friend. $20 donation. Thank you, Tyson. Uh, but anyways, uh we'll we'll have to read his his thing here. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyways, yeah, but uh the the fact that um Markinen does all these things, he obviously feels a sense of freedom with the jazz. And I tell you what, this jazz team, I mean, they've been a little you can tell that the trade deadlines probably got to the team and they listened to him. I think Vanderbilt especially has looked a little like not the same mojo. I mean, he's not having a bad locker room presence or anything, but you can kind of tell he's probably kind of waiting for a trade. And But even with all that stuff going on, this team is still playing so free and so open. Uh, they, it's just, it's pretty remarkable what Will Hardy's done in terms of creating this culture that everyone was so worried about. And Larry Markkinen's flourished within it. He's become a player that I think everyone thought he could be in the draft, and he's finally doing it. That's why I am really interested in what could happen with John Collins. Because yeah, I agree. John John Collins multiple years has been a forty percent three point shooter. He didn't forget how to shoot threes, you know, and and he's just an incredible athlete. And you could pair him with Kessler and and Markkinen, and all of a sudden you've got quite the interesting front court there that can do a lot of things. And then if the wolves keep losing and the jazz hit and get like a top four pick and you get like a, an elite kind of playmaker, obviously they will be young, but man, that's quite the team to look forward to for years. Um, let me, yeah, let I, me read this really I, quick. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. I, I'm just going to comment quick on, uh, on John Collins uh, after we get to Tyson prices. Uh, awesome comment. Okay. I live in Sandy, Utah. I was 12 years old when John Stockton sent the Jazz to the NBA Finals, and I wanted the Jazz to win the championship. I'm 38 years old now. You're one year younger than me, Tyson. Uh, I want the Utah Jazz to win the NBA championship. Me too. You're here. All of us do really badly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are. Absolutely. Thank you, Tyson. I appreciate it. Price is right. All right. What, what did you want to say, Adam? So you, you mentioned about hardy being just you know this this you know presence to you know facilitate and, and provide the environment for larry Markin to, to flourish and i i agree that that can totally be something for john collins here's why i'm kind of high on him if you look at the start of his career his first and second seasons um the first being without trey young the second being you know rookie trey young you know hadn't quite developed this level of ball dominance you know quite yet uh, he was, you know, much more inclined to really set people up and, and um, he was learning. So you look at those first two years and you can see his dominance as an interior presence, really elite rebounding numbers for kind of a tweener big. Um, he also was just really, really skilled at getting to the free throw line. Uh, and then he kind of had these years where he's trying to find himself with DeAndre Hunter being drafted and then, you know, getting Clint Capella and then Trey Young starting to become a star. But then I thought we saw in the Eastern Conference finals against the Milwaukee Bucks, how he really transitioned away from being ball dominant and said, hey, I'm going to fly around. I'm going to create chaos. I'm going to own my defensive matchup. And then when I have opportunities to score within the flow of the game, he really took advantage of them. So I thought those two bookends really kind of showed what he could do if given the opportunity. And then this year, he's honestly putting up the best profile of his entire career for efficiency, 
right? He's taking the most threes he's ever taken. He's he's not too far off of how often he goes to the free throw line. Like you said, he didn't just forget how to shoot, right? He's shot over 753s in his career, like 40%. Okay. So I really do agree that I think he's been in a terrible situation. He's probably the beneficiary of this bad culture. And all of a sudden you transplant him elsewhere, fresh start with, you know, Larry Markinen as an example of where things can go. And I think he could be a, a, just a fantastic, you know, front court mate to Kessler and, and Markinen. So I'm really high on him for a lot of those reasons. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, I, I totally agree. And everyone's mentioning it. Mark, right now, Donovan Mitchell has 63 points for the, for the Cavs. <laughs> so he's having a nice night. Uh, you know, that was another element of it. We knew that uh, Donovan Mitchell was really good. It was going to – that was one element of the trade. It was, you know, they had mentioned, like, what would Donovan Mitchell look like without Rudy Gobert? And we've kind of seen that. Now, it doesn't mean he's putting up 63 every night. But, man, Mitchell has looked really, really good in Cleveland selfishly from a jazz draft standpoint, I was really hoping the bulls could have pulled out a win. I know. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, 69 points as of now. Wow. Oh my Anyways. Uh, now, so this was one thing I wanted to mention. Well, so I guess, I guess quick, just really quick. Um, oh, I mean, there's only a handful of seconds left, but Devin Booker was the last person to, to get anywhere close to, you know, Oh, I what mean, if he I, hit I he put 70. up 71. Yeah, didn't he put up 70 or 71 in Boston? Does Donovan Mitchell get there? Does he eclipse that, which would be what the the third um, the third highest point total behind Wilt and Kobe Bryant? If he can uh, surpass what Devin Booker did, right? I think so. Well, did, did Devin Booker have 70? I believe he had 70 or 71. Um, we can look it up in that uh, oh, Boston Oh, man, that would be game. so four years ago well, and kobe had the famous uh, honestly i'd be rooting for him yeah, yeah, i would be rooting for him to be or something wouldn't that be so funny if he beat yeah i would love that if he beat out devin booker get the 70 donovan you know what here's the thing too that helps the jazz because you know everyone here's there's two sides to this coin with the jazz trades yes the rudy gobert trade has not really worked out for minnesota 
that trade for the Cavs is looking like it worked out really nicely. They are mm-hmm. doing really well and have a superstar talent in Donovan Mitchell, which we all knew he could do here. Um, it felt like pulling teeth trying to tell people, like, just, just so you know, Donovan Mitchell, that guy's really good. I'm trying to pull this up. Where is he at? 49 minutes. Yeah, 70 points in uh, Devin Booker, 70 points uh, back in March of 2017. And Donovan is one point away from tying. He needs one bucket or one trip to the free throw line. He needs one Holy point. Cow. Get him the get him fouled and put on the line. I'm trying. To, let's see here. I'm actually we're just kind of live. Oh, he did it. He did it. He just scored. Did he do He's it? He did it. No, Holy yeah. Wow. He did it. Uh, I'm a fan of Donovan. Um, I'm a fan I'm a of Donovan, Donovan fan like, too. Oh man, that's just cool. That's cool. And honestly, what a nail in the coffin of the Donovan versus Devin Booker debate. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Donovan now officially better. Oh, my gosh. That is insane. A 70 burger. Wow. Oh, man. I'm doing that. I don't care what the Suns say. Donovan officially better Booker. Whatever. Bring it on. Send me the and death I'll bet, I, This was more care. efficient, too. This was more efficient. So Devin Booker <laughs> had 40 <laughs> shots, 40 field goal attempts in that game, and Donovan just did it on 34. Six oh, fewer shots, man. one point more. Holy cow. Ah, oh, Suns fans got to be just sad. Ah, oh, it's just the best. Oh, congrats to Donovan Mitchell! Good. Holy cow! Oh yeah, congrats to Donovan. That's that's just awesome. Way to go, Spike! I'm 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 happy for him. I mean, we knew that that was very much going to happen. That Donovan was going to have a great stay in Cleveland, and so good for Donovan. Um, I did want to end. Um, we have we've already kind of talked about it, and he's been amazing. Uh, Larry Markinen, like you said, just the numbers are just speak for themselves. I did want to just go through really fast. Because the Jazz, if you go to Mark Stein's Twitter, he tweeted it today. Uh, the Jazz are sending out their annual, like, hey, vote for our guy. He deserves to be an all-star this year. It's with Larry Markinen. And I actually think he has a pretty good shot. So I might go. Oh, yeah. And I know there's a delay here. So uh, let me just, this might be a little choppy, but we'll go through it anyway. Um, Do you, I, I have just. So obviously he's going to go in as a forward if he goes in. So we don't need to talk about the guards like the Devin yeah. Booker's, Steph Curry's. But uh, let me go through. Here's some of the forwards I think have a real shot. And I think I don't know how many they're going to pick. How many guard? How many guards do they pick? I don't know. Is it five guards and how many seven forwards? forwards or is six, it six is forwards? It 12, yeah. Is it six forwards and and six guards or is it like five guards and seven forwards? I'm not sure. Um, but here, let's see. Aaron Gordon and Jaron Jackson. I think Larry Mark. What do you think? I think Larry Markinen gets in over them. Yeah, Jaron Jackson hasn't played uh, very much. I, I'd be surprised if he made it. Not because you know his rate stats aren't great, because they are. Uh, I, I just think it's it's really tough. He could be a, a re, he could be you know a a coach's add in you know right at the end or you know a injury sub, but I wouldn't expect Jaron Jackson to to you know qualify. Uh, Aaron Gordon has been really good, um, and and he has been on the radar with some of those insane dunks on Christmas Day. Like holy cow. Um, he has been good, but I just look and I, I feel like Markinen's just been better, frankly. Better yeah. efficiency, more load, um, comparable, you know, rebounding and assist numbers. 
Um, Gordon obviously is a little bit more active on defense. That's kind of his role. I don't know. I, I think Markinen has a far superior case to Gordon at this juncture. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Zion Williamson, I think gets the nod over. Yeah. Um, but then the other, the Zion's teammate, Brandon Ingram, I, I mean, you could tell me otherwise. I just don't think he's played enough games. Yeah. Just 15. So just not enough to really be get the nod over Larry. That's why I think Larry Markin has a real shot. I actually think he's, I don't think he's a shoe in, but I think he has a real shot. Luka Doncic not is going to get in over uh, Lowry. Yeah. Um, I did. I didn't put him on, but I, I guess it's worth mentioning the duo in, in LA, um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I don't think Kawhi's played enough, but I think, what do you think? Paul George, I think Paul George probably gets the nod, but what do you think? Yeah, that one is tricky too. Uh, he kind of is in that same realm with Luka Doncic of, is he a guard? Is he a forward? That's true. Where exactly are they going to slot him? Uh, good arguments either way. Um, he has also missed time as well. Uh, it gets tricky. Um, I definitely think Leonard's out. Paul George is on the fringe. Um, I would say Laurie is more deserving and probably has more buzz around him. Um, mm-hmm. That's a team that we don't hear a lot about. You know, Paul George and Kawhi—they rest so much, and they've been had so many injuries that you know. I think I think that's a toss-up with Paul George. I yeah. I assume Paul George probably gets the votes just with name recognition and and stuff like that. But I actually think if you look at their numbers, Markinen's numbers are right there with him. Yeah, um, he's at twenty-eight games, uh, more than I had anticipated. Uh, so he probably gets in. Yeah. Okay. Gonna, yeah, I was going to compare their stats, but I think his, I mean, he's right there with him. It's serious. I'm going to pull it up. An interesting one that I, I'd be curious your thoughts on is Andrew Wiggins. Uh, last year started the All-Star game in controversial fashion. Honestly. I know. That was so, I mean, good for him. But, yeah, I mean, he's missed a lot of games, too. I think injury has really helped Larry Markinen, to be honest, because Wiggins oh, yeah. a lot. Kawhi's missed a lot and these are guys that you know the Wiggins thing that's so frustrating because he is not like I mean he's a good player and he's turned himself into a really really nice starter rotation player in in Golden State but man I don't think anyone thinks he should be a starter uh but let's see Larry Market in 23 23 points eight and a half rebounds 1.9 assists Paul George 24.4 points so they're right around that 24-point mark. He has six rebounds and five assists. So a lot closer than you'd expect, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would bet that Wiggins is behind both Gordon and George in kind of this kind of pecking order. Uh, I would bet that he misses out, um, and that's kind of one of your – one of the years you kind of chalk up to uh, just kind of weirdness, <laughs> him being a uh, an all-star starter. Well, and Wiggins – I mean, I shouldn't – I shouldn't dog Wiggins because he's he's turned himself into a really nice pace, especially you know defensively he's been oh yeah um, become really nice. But like he's at this season nineteen points, five rebounds, two assists, on good efficiency actually forty five from three and fifty one. So Wiggins is nothing. He's he's nothing to you know lift your nose at. But he just I just don't know if he's played the games. Yeah, here's a, an interesting one. Uh, Larry Markinen or Jeremy Grant out of Portland? Oh, I had Jeremy Grant on the list. Uh, so let's just talk about that. So who do you have, Jeremy Grant or Larry Markinen? 
This one is really, really pretty close. Uh, honestly, the stats are are pretty similar all the way around. Jeremy Grant, you know, does a little bit more creation for others. He's got you know some better assist numbers, but the the points are pretty close. Laurie has a, a decent step up on efficiency. I mean, when you're in uh, Jokic Durant range, you're going to have a leg up on most anybody. Um, mm. But uh, everything is pretty similar. Laurie's a better rebounder. Again, Laurie plays. He plays like a little bit more of a big than than a wing uh, at times, but then you know he hits fadeaways, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, he, he's a wing. <laughs> so he's become really versatile. Yeah, like, yeah, that's he has. Thing about his game. Uh, the the teams, I, I don't think we're very far off record wise from from Portland. Yeah, I think we're we're one game behind. So there's nothing really there that I think breaks the tiebreaker. Um, honestly, they both had fantastic seasons. Uh, if anything, they should both make it. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe that, that leaves, you know, like an Aaron Gordon out to dry, but, uh, I just kind of look across the board and I just, I just think that Jeremy Grant has been really good. Well, he, I mean, he, your his numbers are surprising. 22 points, four rebounds, two assists on really great efficiency. Uh, the only thing is that the Jeremy Grant kind of benefits, although I guess Larry does as well, but Jeremy plays off of one of the big superstars in the league and Damian Lillard, which kind of helps him out where I would argue that Larry Markinen is the guy he's the number one option. And so I just, I just think that Jeremy Grant might make it. I'd actually have Jeremy Grant over Aaron Gordon, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'd have Jeremy Grant over Markinen just for that aspect that Markinen's leading a team. Um, let's see. I have DeMontis Sabonis. He's having a really nice year and he's he an interesting one that doesn't get talked about a lot. 18 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. The efficiency, actually the three point efficiency is pretty impressive. He's shooting 42% from three this year. He's having a quietly amazing season. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I, I tend to think Lowry might get it over, but who knows? Maybe Domo gets over him. Yeah, interesting. I would have figured that DeMontis would have had a bit better efficiency given, you know, how closely he plays uh, to the rim. But he has upticked his uh, his three-point attempt rate uh, volume quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, the the rebounding, the, the assist numbers, uh, he's been the best player for Sacramento. And Sacramento... They're a, they're a good deal ahead of the Jazz. Um, three games, or excuse me, two games, sorry. Um, could be three games. Hopefully it's three games by the end of tomorrow. And uh, so he's an interesting he's an interesting one. I feel like he's gotten a lot of, a lot of pub. Um, he's probably deserving, honestly. He has made it before, and that, that plays, plays into it. Um, and I think he kind of got a little flack for making it in the Eastern conference previously. Um, you know, we've said that about some Eastern conference guys in the past um, about how, Hey, if they were in the West, they probably wouldn't make it. But this year, I think he's got a case. I still think Markinen uh, deserves it over him. Uh, I agree. But I mean, Sabonis has a good case, a, a really good case. Um, and let's see, he's, he's been, um, as far as I can tell, he's been pretty, uh, pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's just been quietly having a fantastic year. Thirty-four games. Yeah, he's actually really durable. 
he has played every oh except for like one game he's played all season so just super durable and then yeah the he's just i don't know he has a definite case he's really good so whoever's voting on this they have to choose between the two and just decide who's uh more important um to their how how much does the game being in salt lake do you anticipate uh, bumping lowry i think it helps him and i think the jazz being a surprise team helps him i i i think so i mean the jazz definitely want it obviously they're the one of the one one of the teams out there really pushing to get his numbers out there and honestly marketing's numbers are phenomenal as good as demontis sabonis's numbers numbers are when you go look at Lowry Markin and what he's doing, it's phenomenal. He's really doing it. And the fact that he's doing it as the number one option is just really, really impressive. And so he's also had his fair share of highlight moments, you know, that, oh, yeah. that no, massive no. poster on Sabonis. I mean, was all over the the Twitter sphere. I mean, and, and then just the incredible efficiency numbers that he's putting up and then his overall stat line and how the jazz have surprised uh, and, and you know just all that recognition from the donovan trade you know where people said oh my gosh why didn't the jazz take the knicks offer and then all of a sudden you have this guy lowry marketing and all those picks and uh and colin sexton who's probably 70 percent back to where he was like you know he's gotten a lot of notoriety from from that angle too so i do think it helps and uh you know curious to uh, i'd be curious to look back at former host cities and uh, what percentage of them or, or so had you know a an all-star from the the team their their hometown team representing in the all-star game that may have been around our kind of uh success rate oh yeah for sure um i i met i put down draymond green i don't know if he's played enough and i don't know if he really is putting up the numbers mm. that would get him there so I think Laurie gets the nod over him. Um, so I, I actually, that I just thought it was honorable mention, but I do think if you're choosing between Draymond and Laurie, Laurie gets it. Steph is an automatic ad. I don't yeah, know definitely. if Clay Thompson is, is, is considered the same level as he was pre-injury. I don't, I'm not, he hasn't had the greatest season. Um, yeah. If anybody else from, so to, to get multiple all-stars from a team, you generally have to be pretty good. And a lot yeah, of the like reasons the why, team, yeah. a, a lot of the reasons why green has been an all-star, you know, has been that the team was just, you know, run away. Awesome. And so then mm -hmm. it was appropriate to have three or four all-stars from the same team. The golden state warriors are not runaway. Awesome. This year. Uh, I don't think no. Thompson makes it. I don't think green makes it. If you think they might have two all-stars, it's got to be Jordan Poole alongside Steph. Yeah. And it's just really crowded in the guard spot. Really crowded mm -hmm. with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Devin Booker. Uh, even people have talked about De'Aaron Fox. It just gets really, really crowded in the guard spot at West. And you've already, you know, you already have your starting guard spots. There's just zero question about them. Um, and then you have Lillard and, and plenty of others. So, mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think marketing gets the nod, and I think you're absolutely right. Like the record has to accompany a team if they're going to have multiple guys. Uh, I kind of so LeBron is a lock. He's going to be getting that over over Larry. There's just whether you agree or not, he's like having a great season, and he's LeBron. Uh, the one that's interesting though is Anthony Davis, who at one point was having just a remarkable 
stretch where he was putting up just insane numbers, but he's so injury prone and he's just not played. Uh, let's see. I'm actually going to pull him up, but I just don't think he's played enough and I don't think he'll even be playing by the time they decide on, on who plays. And so, I mean, how many games has he even played this year? He's played 25. I guess that's more than I thought, but well, I don't know. Do you think Larry gets in over, uh, over Anthony Davis? Uh, so I, I believe that, that Davis, that there were some rumors that he's made some good strides towards coming back. Um, yeah. now that could just be fodder, you know, but if he really does get back and plays, I don't know, three weeks straight up until the all-star game, I definitely think he makes it because even at 80% of what he has done this season, that is more than all-star worthy. Uh, it's when he's at like 60 to 70% of himself, which he, he has for plenty of huge stretches where, you know, he's definitely not an all-star in my opinion, but I think he probably makes it. I don't think that hurts Lowry too much. Um, but but it's a component for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if he comes back pretty soon, I think he might have the nod. Just also, he's just on the Lakers, and so they just get more, more yeah. votes and more. And to his credit, he is having a great year. Quietly been kind of a defensive player of the year candidate. Actually, he's been that good. Uh, yeah, what's his numbers right now? Twenty four point twenty seven points, twelve rebounds, two assists. Uh, he can't shoot the three anymore, but his field goal percentage is pretty good. And he's been kind of the number one guy with games where, because LeBron's missed a lot of games. Well, he's not missed a lot, but he did miss the one I went to go see. And I, was so, <laughs> I wanted to see him play in person and he didn't play. So doggone it, LeBron. But anyways, Davis has had a nice season. Like you said, if he comes back, I, uh, I, I personally think he probably has got the nod over Lowry. And then, then, then finally, we already mentioned him. Nikola Jokic is going to get the nod. Hmm. But I think if you look at these guys, you've got like Nick Jokic for sure. I guess I'll give the nod to Davis, LeBron, um, Zion. That's like four guys that I think are just kind of locks above yeah. him. Am I missing anyone? Am I, I kind of tried to go through. Like, is there a center I'm not talking about? I don't think so. Unless they have like Doncic as a forward, he, he could also be a guard. Um, I guess Doncic is for sure. Another uh, interesting-ish one is Christian Wood of Dallas. Oh, that's true. He's putting up good numbers. Um, I think Lowry gets the nod over him. I, I would agree. Uh, it's hard to put a backup with good numbers, granted, but but even like his starting rate stats, I don't think are are uh, near Lowry's level, and Lowry is starting, so. I don't think that there's a great case for Christian Wood over Lowry, but uh, I think he's in the mix for these last couple spots, you know, in that discussion. Yeah, he's he's having a good year. And like you said, he's coming off the bench. I mean, he's got that reputation of being kind of a good stats, bad team type guy. And I don't know if that's fair. I don't know. But I mean, there's uh, DeAndre Ayton, but I don't think he's uh, been quite there, um, quite well, to that I level. What hurts what hurts the Suns, I think, is that Aiton, who's a good player, I think he's definitely a high level rotation player. It's like when Devin Booker went down, they've just started losing and they don't look the same. And I don't think that helps his case a lot. You know, for 
I know we're a jazz podcast and so we're we're obviously biased. But Lowry's dealt with a lot of injuries. I mean, they've missed games with, you know, Mike Conley's missed some games. He's missed games from Kelly Olinick. There's been games where Vando's been out. And the big consistency for this jazz team has been Larry Markinen. And so I just I just I think he I honestly, when you look at it, I think he has a real shot. I think he probably is maybe the number 12 guy. But I, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that would love to be the number 12 guy on that all-star team. Well, Adam, thanks for joining me. That was a lot of fun. Um, thank Absolutely. you for joining. And a big thank you to Tyson Price. My man, thank you so much. That's I appreciate it. Um, if you guys haven't already, uh, Adam has Jabber Jazz. So go, go look him up on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe. Go look him up on all the podcast feeds where Apple... Uh, Spotify everywhere. Go look up Jabber Jazz, subscribe, and then on Twitter too, um, Adam underscore Bushman or Jabber Jazz, either one. Or both. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Uh, really appreciate coming on. And I'll leave you with this note. I'm back to 2014, and every year a player from the host city has made the All Star team. I think Lowry's oh. a lock, people. That's definitely another kind of pro or like another thing that's leans towards Lowry. Get, I bet he gets it. And I, I wonder if, I wonder if the jazz are really trying to wait until they make sure Lowry kind of gets that nod before they make a move. I don't know when the announcements come, but uh, that might be playing into this a little bit. Cause I, I'm sure they really want to get Lowry in there. Anyways. Thank you, Adam. That was great. That was a lot of fun. Um, and if you haven't already go subscribe to the SLC dunk podcast. Um, if you're, if you're on this channel on YouTube, make sure you, hit the like button. Uh, I'll talk to you guys, me and Adam and whoever next week. We'll talk to you next time. Go Jazz.